to this week's episode of Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast, where we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. I am your host, Ryan Doze, and today we continue our Tales of Asgard series with special guest Chris Eberly, who is back to cover the second volume of the Tales of Asgard backup stories that are found in Journey into Mystery alongside the main adventures of the mighty Thor. I'm excited for this episode. We dig a lot deeper into the character of Loki in this episode, his origin, some of the childhood tensions between him and Thor. It is going to be a great half an hour with Chris. He is back and he is just uh, excited to go. These were uh, really fun to record with him. Like I said, in our last installment of the series, Chris is a favorite of mine when it comes to the podcasting world. It was actually an episode of his podcast, Comic Geek Speak, that made me want to start these Thor stories in my own podcast. They did a episode about Thor in the Silver Age, which was a lot of fun. And maybe I'll even, I'll link that to um, the show notes if I can figure out how to do that. And I'll definitely share it on our social media. That episode was a fantastic jumping off point for me and my podcasting adventure. But today, Chris is on our show talking about Tales of Asgard Volume 2. We'll get into that in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to especially thank each and every one of you that are listening. I know I say this very often, and I truly do mean it. Every single time I see that someone has listened to an episode of the show, it makes it makes my heart feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I did not think that people would actually want to listen to me talk about Thor, but apparently people do. And if you are one of those, which you definitely are because you're listening right now, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate anything that you've been able to offer us, whether it's a listen, a rating, a review, a subscription, any of those things. Thank you very, very much for doing so. And if you've yet to do that, I would just encourage you. That's a great way to let us know that we're putting out good stuff that people want to listen to. And if you have anything that we can improve on, we would love to hear that. The way we find out about those things is ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. So if you would go do that before you leave today, we would appreciate that. It would help us and it would just let us know what you're what you're feeling about the podcast, how you think we're doing. That would be greatly appreciated. Another way that you can engage with the podcast is going to our social media. We have always had an Instagram account. It's at Mighty Thor Podcast. If you're on Instagram, go give us a follow real quick and we can continue the conversation from our episode today on that Instagram account at Mighty Thor Podcast. Also, last week, I let you guys know that we started a Facebook group. For those of you that prefer Facebook, we started a Facebook group for the podcast so that we can continue the conversation on that platform. If you want to be a part of that group, it is a public group. We just ask that you be kind and you be hospitable and um, just good to the people that are in that group and good with our topic, Thor and his world. Go to Across the Bifrost on Facebook, follow us, join the group, and we would love to continue the conversation there. And hey, invite a friend to come along with you on any of these accounts. Share the episode with a friend. Be a good friend. Share across the Bifrost with them. We would appreciate that. But all of that, all of that being said, it is time for us to talk about Tales of Asgard Volume 2 with the professor himself, Chris Eberly. Let's jump into these stories. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, 
Okay, everybody, welcome back to our Tales of Asgard series. I am again joined by Chris Eberly of the Comic Geek Speak podcast. Uh, Chris, how's it going? Well, as Thor would say, it's, I don't know, magnificent, splendid. I, I'm full of all inspiration to be here, sir. Thanks again. <laughs> so we are covering a few more stories in our uh, journey through the side, the side backup stories, Tales of Asgard, that were in the uh, Journey into Mystery comics. We left off with uh, an introduction to Heimdall last time. We are going to jump into a, another Heimdall-themed story in uh, Journey into Mystery 105. This backup story appeared, and it is entitled, When Heimdall Failed. So... We're starting off. Wait, 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 wait a minute, Ryan. Wait a minute. When Heimdall failed. There you go. See, I, I, I don't, I don't have that that pomp in my voice, <laughs> but I do. Clarion call. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> so uh, this is a story of Heimdall being the watcher of the Rainbow Bridge, and someone, something slip slips past his ever seeing eye. This uh, pixie like creature called the Vanna slips past Heimdall and. Thankfully, Heimdall's honest. He, he, he knows that something is wrong. He tells Odin, hey, um, something's not right. I feel like I missed something here. And uh, luckily, uh, the creature is captured. There's really no significant first appearances here, but just kind of a fun story of Heimdall being honest and being a good guy. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the, plan, the plans of evil not succeeding yet again against the, the, the people and uh, the gods of Asgard. And let's point out, again, always returning to my reverence for Kirby, on the, let's see, on the third page, just sort of that random war machine in the bottom corner, the bottom uh, right panel there. Yeah. Um, just, again, if you go through Kirby's work, especially in the later Marvel period, the, his ability to conceive of just wild Kirby technology from the innermost reaches of his imagination, especially since in the Fantastic Four, of course, but... Uh, you see it a lot in Thor too, because when when Thor becomes more and more cosmic, in, in in his scope, and you know, I don't know what is it, what it is. It looks like it's some kind of war making device. Maybe maybe it provides heat. I'm not sure, but it looks damn cool. They don't they don't really explain what it is. No, it's just there. <laughs> there's like lava being poured into it, and it looks yeah. like a furnace, but it also yep. kind of looks like a tank. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, quite an imposing vehicle that we never yeah. see again. Yep. <laughs> but what did you think of the design for the for the vanna in this it's a very uh very pixie like uh very uh i don't know it's just kind of a, an effeminate looking little winged creature yeah i'm not again i'm not well versed in norse mythology so i'm gonna guess that the vanna are from norse mythology since kirby was so well versed well. in it um but it's it's a great visual because it, it's such a stark contrast to you know the gods of asgard that the, the creature is trying to infiltrate their world. So, and the page where, again, on, on page three, again, where Heimdall's standing sent, sentinel on the bridge and the Vanna's darting forward, it's, it's one panel, but just the look of the city behind them. I mean, again, the, the, uh, the phrase often used to apply to, to uh, Kirby Thor in the Silver Age is glory and grandeur. Yes. And we definitely get that here just over and over in spades. So, yeah, the, um, the, the, 
even on the la- on the last page we see the, the 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 legions of asgard you know emptying and um uh they're then there's heimdall like whenever whenever you see the bifrost you should be seeing heimdall as well yep. because he is ever vigilant ever watchful he is the one that odin has been has been uh and he's been entrusted by odin to watch over the bifrost um it's just always really cool to see him standing resolute on the bridge and uh with the planets and the stars as the background um just always great stuff stunning kirby artwork (laughs) the next the next story we get uh, actually the next few stories we get focus in on a character that some some newer maybe movie fans of thor may not know of because he has Mm. not he criminally has not shown up in the movies or really uh any of the tv show cartoon nope balder the brave balder is a big deal when you read thor stories starting in the silver age all the way through uh you know through current um i don't know where he's at currently Um, i'm not sure either yeah yeah, Balder is a key supporting character. He, he, he acts as kind of a right-hand man. He is one of the noble warriors of Asgard, and we get to see a test of his nobility in the next story. Simply, uh, I'm going to take, take a shot at it. Simply just Balder the Brave in big, huge letters. <laughs> Balder is kind of given this headline, um, this headline uh, cover, and there he is standing before uh odin and uh, odin's got some odin's got some stuff to talk to balder about and by the way that opening now we have vince coletta inking kirby uh yes. stories yeah. now vince coletta vince coletta is a very controversial figure in okay sort of the history of comic book inking because some people feel he, he was known for getting work in on time so a lot of editors would use him but a lot of artists didn't like his work because they felt he would rush and sort of blot out a lot of their background material Okay. Um, so, so like when you get into like people are really get into just dis- discussing and debate like the merits of like pencils and inkers, which is like a like a, a subculture within like comic book fans. Um, there's there's always been a, a fierce debate about Coletta's inks, uh, okay. but I think his inks actually serve Kirby better in Thor than in other books. Uh, there's almost like a prince, like you said before, like a, a fairy tale, almost like a Prince Valiant feel. Yes, like the, yes. When you when you look at Baldur standing there, you know, erect, holding sword at attention. Uh, it's really beautiful, and it has like almost like a faded, like you said, sort of storybook quality to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, actually, I actually like the inking here quite a bit. So, and this, uh, th- I think. So one one thing about Balder, let's just kind of so- side aside with Balder. He is, he he is the ultimate loyal um, lieutenant. Like he is, he is noble to a T. Um, he tells the truth. He's super honest, and in this story, he actually shows uh, shows a little bit of his empathy when he he departs from battle to help out an animal in need. <laughs> Odin, Odin gets freaking pissed that uh, you know, like, what the heck, man? Come on! And so, because he disobeyed the order of Odin, he is put under these trials, and as the trials progress, nature. Uh, intervenes on Baldur's behalf. So an archer, the greatest archer in all of Asgard, of course, he's right there, you know, ready to go. Of the greatest archer in all of Asgard is, uh, is oh, it's Tyr. Oh, it's the it's the Asgardian god Tyr. He's the one yeah. that's shooting the arrow. 
I totally missed that. Um, Tyr, also a important supporting character in Thor's um, in Thor's world. So as Tyr shoots this arrow towards Balder, Balder's just standing there, just ready to take it um, because he's he's loyal to a T. And this eagle comes out of nowhere and snatches the arrow out of the air. <laughs> it's like okay. Um, let's try this again. So uh, then uh, another Asgardian warrior chucks a spear at Balder, and there's Balder just standing, standing still. He's gonna, he's gonna obey the orders of his king. And out of nowhere, these vines grow up out of the ground, and they trap the spear before it can get to Balder. Again, Balder hasn't moved, and all of nature is is coming to Balder's aid. And Thor, Thor's the voice of reason. He's like, hey. Maybe maybe we let this one slide. <laughs> like maybe. But then, of course, Odin reveals again one of his sort of duplicitous lessons. It was I who summoned the hawk. <laughs> I who called forth the plant. For I have a gift for thee, brave Baldor. The gift of invincibility. That a gift which can only be won when through trial and test. From this day hence, nothing can harm thee. All hail to Odin, wisest of the wise that's that's one of my least favorite speech bubbles in this entire story is like all hail odin okay he's being kind of a jerk to balder but that's the way odin works you know exactly he's manipulative yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah so it was it was uh it's the it's the wandavision song like it was odin all along <laughs> yep by the way i'm yeah Am I remembering correctly that they they retro they ret retro continuity later that Baldar is actually Thor's brother? Yes, yeah, right? or half brother or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he, he's he's somewhere thrown in. I think they're okay. all like I think Loki, Baldur, Thor, Tyr. Um, you know, uh, they're all kind of just they're all brothers in some way. Okay, um, it's very you know very pan pantheonistic of them. Right. Um, but yeah, this this story. Uh, gives us a little bit of a glimpse uh, into Baldur's character. The next story, um, we get to see uh, one of my favorite Thor villains show up for the first time, and we find out why she's so enthralled with Baldur. Uh, so the next story is really simply titled. I also love that these stories are very simply titled. Yep. Um, they get they get right to the point. Um, in the last story, yeah, Balder was brave. We get it. You know, oh, the story before that, Heimdall failed at something. We we understand this. This one is Balder must die. So, yep. let's go. Uh, so, <laughs> in, in in this uh, the the opening cover is uh, is Balder sitting on a stump, uh, kind of Snow White style, with a bunch of different animals around him. He's playing uh, playing an instrument, and then there's Loki just skulking like a creep in the background. <laughs> he is uh, he's he must destroy Balder because um, next to Thor, Balder is who he despises the most. Um, so, the story unfolds with uh, Loki trying to get the uh, the services of Carnilla, the Norn Queen, to thwart Balder. Uh, Chris, Carnilla, the Norn Queen, any thoughts on her? She is one of those other characters that I have really missed in the MCU. I think. Uh, well, what's interesting about her is that they established down the road that she is deeply infatuated with Balder. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that, that drives a lot of her motivations. They don't really, they don't really get into that here, but. Um, like you said, a lot of these these stories, of introducing characters and concepts, they're going to get a lot of mileage from uh, in the years to come. 
Notice also Loki is in his class, sort of like his classic Silver Age outfit um, that the actor Richard E. Grant uh, cheerfully oh. wore in the Loki uh, television show. So good. I'm so glad they gave him that costume. Yeah. It's uh, just so I, also, I also love that Boulder's almost got like this Zen quality to him. So he stumbles because he wants to avoid stepping upon a nearby caterpillar. Um, which we don't even see in the panel yeah. <laughs> it's like I mean, maybe, maybe he's more like a buddhist in that sense but yeah he's he he doesn't want to kill anything but somehow he's still one of the most valiant uh warriors in yeah. all of asgard um kind of an interesting uh uh paradox there um but we uh we come to the end and balder is has thwarted the plans of loki um with uh with the help of carnilla and carnilla actually so Something I find interesting about Carnilla is she is not completely a villain at times, and she's not completely an ally at times. She's no, she operates in that neutral zone. She pursues um, her own interests. Exactly. And what, sometimes they they are to Thor's advantage. Sometimes they're not. So yeah. So uh, so she uh, she thwarts Loki's plans here because we see kind of the beginning seeds of uh, of of her at least favoring Balder. Um, and then in in the next story, we get back to Thor. We've, we've trapped by the trolls. As <laughs> I, we've been talking about, as only Jack Kirby can do, as only Chris Eberle can do. <laughs> so, uh, the next story, is we go back to Thor. We've uh, we spent some time away from him in these Tales of Asgard stories, but uh, readers at the time were not starved for Thor because they were getting him in the main stories. But in this story, we see... Thor arrive to a, a troll uh, camp city, uh, uh, their 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 location, and he's dressed up, disguised as a weary traveler, and he gets captured on purpose so that he can free other Asgardian uh, uh, Asgardian prisoners and kind of do this revolt against them and free them and, and bring them back to Asgard. So kind of a prison break story. Yeah, Thor, Thor, is, Thor, Thor is an emancipator in this, in this story. Yes. Yes. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a God of the people. <laughs> <laughs> he frees all of them from the trolls and the dwarves. Um, yeah. It's uh, and then he traps the, the dwarves and the trolls within the mountain that, um, that they had, that they had been uh, kept prisoner underneath kind of a, just a quick action story. Yeah, it's very quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean that, I don't think that even exceeds. Yeah. It's barely five pages. Um, so we'll just jump right on into the next story. Cause there weren't any significant first appearances in no. that last one. Uh, this next one is called banished from Asgard. And um, this is a little bit of a um, of a bait, uh, kind of a bait and switch uh, trickster story. But Odin plays the role of trickster in this story, where he he pretends to banish Thor from Asgard, and that's actually the cover. Um, we, <laughs> you might want you might want to take this one because I, I have it's, a, like, uh, even I wouldn't dare. It's 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 too lengthy in its grandeur. Basically, even the son of Odin may not disobey an imperial command. And so order you to be banished from Asgard. I did part of it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, so we, we see Thor walking. By the way, Thor is not yet 20 years old. Just let the reader know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The, the time years ago when, when Thor was not yet 20. So he's 19 and like seven eighths. Yeah. Um, and then the place Asgard. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for including that, Stan. Um, and we see Thor walk away all dejected with his 
hammer awkwardly tucked into like his high-waisted belt I, I i love that little fashion choice that he makes there we should point out that now now he's able to fully use the hammer too yes so, yeah. so we're now at the point where thor is he is as powerful as kind of we would know him passing yes. like he, he's not doing these tests of worthiness anymore he has full control of the hammer and and a lot of the um the associated powers that come with it so in the first few panels of this story we see uh a kind of a shady character arc in the week he uh he defects from asgard and he goes to uh queen uh, queen norda queen norda I believe so. She is the queen of the mountain giants, and uh, he Arkin has defected, and he's wanting uh, you know uh, wanting to get vengeance on Odin and Asgard, and, and you know kind of a, a, a get back at you betrayal story. And as Thor has been banished, the mountain giants chase him into a cavern that surprise surprise was a trick all along it was odin all along because thor uh, finds a way out of the cavern and there's odin with the army of asgard and they've trapped norda and the mountain giants and uh figured out that arkin was the um he was the culprit all along. yeah basically odin has launched sort of his version of like a whole espionage ruse to, to reveal the defector essentially um but again, the stars, the artwork, like the page where Thor is on the steed being pursued by all the giants. And they're uh, all behind him. You get a sense of the scale, that their, their stature compared to his. Uh, and, then, and then even the last panel, the last panel of this story is, uh, is Odin and Thor leading the legions of Asgard back and these, these magnificent sunbursts behind them, um, very, looking very regal and very royal. Um, By the way, Ryan, speaking yes. of that, did you have you ever watched the 1960s Thor cartoon? I have. So after you guys talked about it on yeah. the show, I went and looked at clips <laughs> and um, I actually uh, <laughs> so I didn't even mention this. The theme song, I actually have oh. I, I play it before every throwback uh, section. Well done, sir. Well done. So, the fans of fans of across the Biofrost will have already heard the song as we're talking about it. Um, I love the song. The song brings me so much joy. Uh, I, I, I've watched ahead, some clips of it. I watched some clips of it as well. Uh, things that my wife has watched me from over my shoulder, like, what the hell are you watching? Yep. What is this? Well, I mention it because as some of your listeners may know, or if they don't, we can fill them in here that they basically so this is the first animated series that uh, utilized marvel characters besides the spider-man series from the 60s as well so uh, i think it was grant ray lawrence was the company and they basically all they did was they took basically stills of like this artwork and they they animated it with like they move an arm or a mouth for, for talking and it's very very primitive but by today's standards but you're seeing kirby artwork in a sense, come to life in the in these cartoons. Yeah, uh, so it, it, they're a great time capsule. And I wonder uh, what he would have been like as an animator. I mean, maybe, well, indeed, maybe... actually, he worked in animation. At the end of his life, he worked for Hanna Barbera. Oh, awesome! See, so he did he did uh, design concepts for uh, I think Thunder the Barbarian and, and a bunch of other stuff. So oh. he was he, he did he did do he did do concept work in animation at the end of his career. 
I'm going to have to go dig into some of that now. Yeah, and, and, and the, the Fantastic Four cartoon from the 70s with the Herbie the, Herbie the Robot, that cartoon. Okay. Um, he did he did storyboards for that, too. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So, so more, more reading for me to do and yeah. more watching for me to do. So the next, um, the next story that we get is simply put the defeat of Odin. Uh, this story is we're getting a lot of stories of Odin testing people. Yep. In the second volume, especially, it's a lot of it's a lot of Odin having his own agenda behind the scenes and being you know, putting people to the test, and then at the end being like, "Hey, that was my plan all along." Yep. So uh, this one uh, it uh, it features a, a battle between uh, Odin and uh, and an enemy, and they've killed the king of this of this other army and the prince of the, the, the enemy army rises up and he, he tries to assert his confidence to, um, to take on Odin, this unbeatable force. Uh, this is one of the first uh, stories where I felt like we really focused on how mighty the Asgardians are because they're the superpower in in this story. They are not the, you know- the Yeah, this is, like, this, is a, this is like a rebellious upstart trying to stand up to Odin. Yes, yes. Um, and, uh, and his name is Prince Rivik. It's the only appearance of him in Marvel Comics, but uh, we get this um, kind of a, I don't know if it's a morality tale. It's kind of a wise lesson where Odin's basically, hey, we don't want to squash everybody's confidence. <laughs> it's like- Oh, well, well, let's let's uh, uh, recite Odin's uh, noble utterance here. For men must never feel a cause is hopeless. This is Pierce Stanley. Men must never feel an enemy cannot be beaten. And then Thor responds, I pray that men will one day acclaim your wisdom as they do your power, my most noble father. <laughs> what a kiss up. <laughs> oh, well, this, well, you know, you got to remember, though, how many times did Thor and, and Odin, you know, get into spats because of Thor's love for earth or midgard as the asgardians call him, of course especially his love for the mortal jane foster uh, yeah or god uh, yeah god forbid jane foster yeah. comes up yeah. um so yeah we uh we get kind of a, a little bit of a, a peek into odin's uh philosophy of why he did this and then uh and then it's just it, it's over the story uh concludes and we move on to the secret of sigurd now i really enjoyed this story um, because uh, it, it reminded me of some of the main stories where Thor is presented with a foe and he doesn't immediately know how to defeat the foe. And then I, I'm just like, I'm sitting there like, okay, this story is over in like two pages. How are they going to do this? Or are we just going to, you know, have a two-parter or whatever? And no, it's, Sigurd, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the economy of, of a great storytelling. Exactly. And, and I think that's like, again, these stories are decades old. You know, I, I'm and I was, you know, barely even a, a thought when these stories came up and, and they were being read. And I just I loved that I didn't know how it was going to end. And Sigurd, uh, his, his power of being unbeatable as long as he's touching the ground. Like, that's just so that's so simple. And, and, and Thor finds a way around it by strapping him to the hammer and throwing him into space. <laughs> and it, like, I, also love, I also love how Baldar eventually realizes, wait a minute, this is one of Loki's schemes, isn't it? But they yeah. don't catch on to right away, even though they really should at this point. Um, like Thor's like, methinks the man is bereft of his senses. And, <laughs> and Baldur's like, well, what is saying? Now, wait a minute, why is Loki so eager for this to happen? Like, oh, of course, it's Loki. So 
This is fun. <laughs> and, and I feel like Baldur's got his own thing going on as the main fight is going. He's like, hmm, this is all very suspicious. And he's got his own little side story. But yeah, the like you said, the economy of storytelling, they pack so much into five pages. Well, you got, um, you got again, not only two masters, but these are, again, the people working on these books were already had decades of experience in creating comics and you see it here. So and I, I really like how this one ends. Uh, I, I noted this, that uh, the, the last little um, bit of narration we get is uh, that, yes, for ages, the menace of Loki has been the golden haired God's chief concern for Loki ever has been and ever will be one of the most powerful of all the immortals, but powerful though he is mighty Thor has always been his master. And in the name of Odin, we pray he remains so till the end of time. I love when Stan Lee is like, hey, these things are still going on today. Like he, he brings it up to like, he, he makes the reader feel like a part of it. Well, that's, that was part of his gift as a- I, I love it. As sort of the ringmaster of the whole Marvel experience. Uh, yeah, I like, I like the idea that he's a ringmaster, you know, and we're all just enjoying his circus. Yep. The last story of this volume and today's look back at Tales of Asgard is required reading absolutely it's it is the um we see it a little bit uh in the beginning of the first thor film this is basically the story of how in the world did loki become a prince of asgard you know because we know he's a he's a frost giant he, he he's not from uh he's not from the golden city he's he's not uh thor's full brother he's not odin's son but he's a part of the court and he's Thor's half brother. How did that all happen? So we see the first appearance of Loki's biological father, Laufey. And Laufey and Odin fight. Laufey is killed in the fight. And Odin takes upon the responsibility of a, because uh, Loki is a king's son. He's just not his son. So he accords him, I think he even says it here at the end, um, that, uh, uh, Loki, uh, it is it is Loki, son of Laufey, the child he kept hidden from the from, for his heart was filled with shame that Loki was not born a giant, as were the other offspring of Jotunheim. Hear me, legions of Asgard! From this moment hence, I proclaim Loki, son of Odin, half brother to the well beloved Thor. <laughs> what a jab! <laughs> for, for better or better for. Or for Better for worse, you're gonna eat those words, man. Uh, Loki is forever more an immortal of Asgard. This I have proclaimed, so be it. Interesting because just some people might be confused. In the original comic, these giants are not frost giants, yes. Um, they're just I don't know if they're storm or mountain or whatever they are, but and of course, in the movie, they they they, they then change that just a, a minor yeah. detail. But uh, this story is close to my heart because. In the 70s, uh, uh, the publisher Fireside did a whole series of books, Origins of Marvel Comics, Son of Origins of Marvel Comics, and Bring on the Bad Guys, and, and other ones as well, where Stan Lee would write very charming essays providing, I have to say today, his version of how these characters were created. And they would include, uh, in the Bring on the Bad Guys, they included several of these stories, which, which we're doing in sequence here, chronicling the origin of, of the Marvel version of Loki, essentially. And I, I remember I read the story as a kid when I got that book, and I was just blown away by the artwork and, and the, the, the armor of the warriors and, and just, oh, just 
Odin's nobility, but also you just sense there's such foreboding. Like as one warrior goes, Loki, the very name is a ring of evil, a tinge of foreboding to it. And then Odin responds, mayhap, but still he is a regal <laughs> prince, son of a kingly father. I must accord him his rightful due. There, that's okay. the word I was searching for. Yep. Man, so uh, um, is, is, it, um, is it reasonable to think that, uh, was this one of the first Thor-related titles you, you read, Chris? So when I got uh, the Bring on the Bad Guys book, I got it uh, in the early 80s. I was very, very young. Uh, this was one of, yeah, this is one of the first stories I read. Now, the first Thor stories I read were, were in the origin of Marvel Comics, uh, which is the first Fireside collection uh, that Lee did. And that had, had Journey into Mystery 83 in it. And it had, uh, I think it was Thor 144, which features the Enchanters. And has a classic opening scene where Thor is, is to quench his, his thirst, goes to an ice cream shop to get like a root beer float, oh my uh, which God. is a classic Marvel, you know, Silver Age, like, you know, this world could be yours, that type of thing, which is so charming. Um, so those stories, but then I read, then I got the Bring on the Bad Guys book and I read these. Um, so yeah, these are definitely some of the first Thor related stories I read. Fantastic. That concludes the second volume of our Tales of Asgard series. Uh, I just want to thank Chris again for joining us on this episode for uh, more stories. Really, we get into a lot of Loki. We covered a lot of Odin being up to his, you know, his, uh, I don't want to say schemes, but his little uh, games with people. Um, but it was definitely a good little trip down uh, Marvel's memory lane. So we will join you next month for the third volume of the Tales of Asgard stories. By the ring! That is going to do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Chris. He was a treat to have on and talk to. We have a few more installments in this series coming up. I believe we will do six volumes of Tales of Asgard with Chris. We are at the beginning of our journey, and we uh, just look forward to any time we can have Chris on the show. He is, a just like I said, a treat to talk to and so much fun. I hope you've enjoyed his breakdown of these backup stories in the Tales of Asgard series. If you're one of those that's very curious about where these stories are found in the main book, we're actually up to date with our throwback series alongside our Tales of Asgard. So the last issue of Journey into Mystery that we covered with Jared Sapp a few weeks ago was issue issue 112. And these Tales of Asgard series stories that we've talked about today are from issues 105 through 112 of Journey into Mystery. So right now our Tales of Asgard stories and our Journey into Mystery issues are right in line with each other. So you're getting all caught up. I'm so glad that you've listened to this episode because that gets you all caught up with where we're at with Thor in the Silver Age. So Good job, listener. If you want to go and read these in a more comprehensive way together, hop on Marvel Unlimited and read the whole issues. It's really a fun read when you get a Tales of Asgard story and a main Journey into Mystery story together. So thank you again, Chris. You were awesome. Can't wait to talk with you next month with Volume 3. Uh, we get into a few more stories there, and we will be halfway done with our Tales of Asgard series. It'll be so much fun. 
before you leave today, just a reminder to rate, review, and subscribe the show wherever you're finding it, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else on the internet, in the wide, wide realms of the internet, wherever you're finding us, rate, review, and subscribe us to us there. That would be very helpful. And let us know what you like about the show, what we can work on, how we can improve. That would be a fantastic help to us. Also, go follow us on Instagram at Mighty Thor Podcast and join our brand new Facebook group, the Across the Bifrost Podcast Facebook group. There's a lot of S's and a lot of T's in this sentence. Oh my gosh, I'm getting so tongue-tied because I'm so excited about the possibility of you joining one of our online communities and continuing the conversation there. So go ahead, do that. We would greatly appreciate it. And friends, as we come to another episode, the closing of another episode of Across the Bifrost, again, just want to say thank you very much for any amount of support you've given us through the uh, 30 plus episodes that we've had all together. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I cannot wait for next week. We have a special guest lined up next week to talk more throwback issues. And then in a few weeks, we're going to cover some more current comics. We're going to do an entire run of Donny Cates's Thor run. We're going to talk about Thor, the Devourer King. It's going to be a great jump forward from what we've been talking about with our throwback issues. So lots of great stuff coming up this month, this fall in the podcast. And I hope you will be along with us every single episode. Until we meet you again aboard the Rainbow Bridge, dear listener, I encourage you to stay worthy.